Ciao, Bella. I am Ronnie and Ryan, love and cosmic coach, and this is the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. We'll talk about a magical mix of mystical methods, including everything that works to live your best life, grow spiritually, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, and connect with spirit. Tune into the magic that is all around you. If you enjoy the show, please give it a thumbs up or write a glowing review and click the bell to subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is available. I offer listeners cosmic coaching and guidance for your spiritual path, psychic, intuitive, or card readings, or learn about your past lives and how they influence your life today with an Akashic Records reading. Learn more at nevertoolate.biz. May good fortune and magic come to all those who listen to the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. And now, on with the show. In this episode of the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast, I am so excited to introduce you to a friend of mine who I met in a workshop. Jen Bray is a healer, mentor earth advocate, and voice of the plant. She is the founder of Bridget's Way and is leading the planetary evolution. Jen is the co-steward of HeartSpring Sanctuary, a living example of how to create a more sustainable future by engaging in co-creative partnership with nature. With over 20 years of experience with plant essences, energy work, and herbal practices, her private consultations and plant-based protocols are known for helping clients through emotional life situations, physical health crises, and chronic conditions. Jen has dedicated her life to the spiritual path of plant work. Her apprenticeship certification programs, ceremonies, retreats, and workshop offerings are designed for people wanting to open their hearts fall in love with plants, and deepen their relationship to the planet. Welcome, Jen. Thanks, Ronnie. (laughs) It's great to talk with you. Oh, it's so fun to have this opportunity to catch up with you. Jen and I met in a workshop years ago, and we stayed in touch, and it's been wonderful. And I've enjoyed many of her plant essences, which I adore. I'm still totally loving Queen Maeve and Nail Fern. Yeah, love that. I love meditating with that combination. It's mm. it's just awesome. So, all yeah. right, I'm thrilled you're here. And I know you're all about plants. So I hear you're writing a book. I am. I'm writing a book about plant communication. And you've discovered it's a lot like having a baby, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> of course, I haven't had a baby, but I have birthed six books. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, I'm still on like the early phases of maybe not even labor yet. You know, I'm still kind of in the fun part. Um, But yes, everybody keeps warning me about the upcoming parts. (laughs) It's to me, it's all this. It's really all the same. It's, you know, it's, it's a process. That's all there is to it. But anyway, in that book, what are you going to be talking about? So the purpose of the book is to help people learn how to communicate with plants themselves. So there's exercises for connecting in, learning, discovering what communication means, really, because we usually think of communication as what we're doing now. You know, we're talking and you're hearing and I'm listening. But at the same time, there's more even at this on this technological wave where there's still more communication because I'm using my body. <laughs> ah. you know? 
So, so the same thing happens when we're communicating with plants. There's so much more that's happening that we're not going to hear. Most people anyways, don't hear a booming voice like Moses in the burning bush, but we have to get really observant. So there's different activities in the book to help you learn and help you experience different ways of communicating with plants. And then I also share uh, messages that the plants have shared with me over the years. So that are all designed to help us really embrace our wholeness and who it is that we are meant to be um, and help us in, in that process. It's, you know, a healing journey as well, like helping us to, I always say it's like shedding off all the crap that we've picked up over the years, all the things that we thought we needed to be to yeah. get to the heart. And I'm just curious, like with all the things the writer do in the world, why is it that we want to talk to plants? Well, I think because of all the things that are going on in the world, oh, okay. with plants is particularly important with all the changes, earth changes that are going on. You know, plants are our ancestors. They've been on this planet for way longer than we have. And genetically, we also have a lot in common with plants. Really? More, yeah. It's like, Get out. no, I'm serious. There's, we have much more in common with plants than many animals, actually. So because they've been on this earth for so long and they've lived through so many earth changes, they have this incredible wisdom that they can help guide us through personal changes as well as the earth changes. And on top of it, they know the plants know who they are meant to be. They help us remember who we are meant to be and help to bring us back into this relationship with nature um, because we're not supposed to be separate. You know, that that's that's just a myth. We actually aren't separate. We are actually nature. So the plants just help us to come back into the circle. If we're talking about changes that you're saying the plants help us to be more adaptable? For sure. I actually was just thinking that this morning. Yeah. Adaptable for sure. Is, I mean, they help us with so many things. So in my own personal life, I've had serious grief. I've had, you know, divorce and my brother dying. Um, my mother had cancer. Like, all these very difficult challenges. And it's always the plants who guide me through and just make it an easier journey. They give us such information we wouldn't come to on our own. All right. Now here we're going to go deep. Okay. How did you start talking to your first plant? Like what uh, happened there? That's a good question. And so I, even in my book, I say this, that um, I credit mulberry with being my first plant, but I think that that's my first conscious plant. I think the plants communicate with all of us on in every day. It's an innate skill. It's something that we naturally have because we, again, because we are connected with nature, we are nature. It's just a natural thing to talk to plants, but our society trains us. You know, our society gets us to think that talking to plants is crazy. So we have to undo all of that. So my first experience, I was, you know, training as an herbalist. And since I was a child, I was interested in natural healing, wanting to learn how to communicate with plants. And I kept trying to learn from different people. And it was always so difficult to me. So what happened was we were living in a very tiny house. Um, we built our straw bale house. It was 675 square feet. Wow. Was, yeah. My husband, two little boys. And then we took in my 18 year old nephew at the time, who was six foot three in 635 square feet. It was really intense. Like, yeah, it was really intense. <laughs> Fortunately, we lived on a farm at the time. So my only time of day that was to myself was in the morning before everybody was awake. When it was warm out, I'd go out and I'd pick berries. So my favorite is mulberries has since I was a young child. And there was a lot of drama going on at that time. And 
I would wake up really anxious and I'd go out and pick berries. And by the time I go back in, everything was, I was calm again. I had answers to all the questions and it still took me a couple of years to realize that's communicating with plants. Oh, so it was like a natural kind of process. You weren't actually even totally consciously aware of That's pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. This is a really goofy question. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of house plants. My husband likes plants and he's always like, we need more oxygen. So he wants more plants. And, you know, he's the kind of person who like he was, I don't know, at the Walmart Garden Center and he bought a plant for a dollar because he felt bad for it. And it was a corn plant. And I swear it's going to hit the ceiling now. Yes. It's just I don't know what I'm going to do with it, you know. So anyway, we have a jungle. But then I don't know what happened, but I forgot to water. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite little trees, it's like a miniature ficus, I think. Oh my God, she lost like all her little leaves turned yellow. Not all of them, but I don't know, 25%. And I was completely freaked out. And I was thinking, how will I forget? How will they forgive me for this? You know, like any thoughts on that? Yeah. So that's one of the great lessons that plants teach us. They are incredible forgivers. They really? recognize, oh, you know, totally. They recognize that we are humans and we're learning, you know, we're like the little siblings that just need a lot of help and a lot of understanding. So um, people assume because I love plants so much and I communicate with them that I'm a great grower and I am outside because my plants all have to be like, you could take care of yourself. <laughs> my indoor <laughs> plants. It, some of them are better than others, but I can forget to water frequently, you know, life happens. But one of my most challenging plants is rosemary. Talk about this in the book as well, because I now call myself a rosemary killer. And my friends, are, I know that's the reaction I get from my friends. They all oh freak out. They're, they're like, don't say that you're putting out to the universe that you're going to kill this rosemary. And I was like, no, it's not that I'm warning the rosemary plants because I have killed at least 25 rosemary plants. What's it about? It, they're just really hard. You know, hard. Like they, you have to have just the right amount of water. If you miss, ah. if you give them too much water, they die. If you give them not enough, it's like one missed watering and that's it. It's over. And at least that's been my experience. So they're not resilient as resilient as other things. Okay. Not, not for indoor plants, you know, where they live. Like when I, I met Rosemary in, in California, which that's not native, but it's more, it's close to their native environment oh my God, they're giant bushes. They're just incredible, but that's not how they are in my house. <laughs> so, but even though I've killed them so many times, every single time I go to a plant sale, I hear them like calling my name, wanting me to bring them home. Wow. And, seriously. And I'll have this constant conversation with them saying, no, no, you don't want to come home with me. Like you're going to get killed. Like it's, this is not a good place to be. I mean, so much so that my students, because we bring it into the apprenticeship program and I get all of my students a rosemary plant and sometimes there'll be an extra one and they're like, oh no, you can't keep this. We're going to take her home. <laughs> so That's really funny. Now, what if, this is just me, but what if the rosemary plants are trying to teach you to be nice to yourself? Well, that's an interesting thing, Ronnie. I mean, they, it's definitely is one of the things that they teach. I mean, they, they really do teach about forgiveness and helping us learn about that. And part, as you, you know, just said there, like part of forgiveness, the biggest part I think for forgiveness is learning how to forgive ourselves. Oof, um, that's true. Yeah. Good point. Since you talk to all these plants, you know, I certainly have admitted in my podcast before that I, I do talk to plants too. And I have to say, when I met you, you definitely inspired me. I mean, I'd been interested in nature spirits and stuff, but 
I don't know how much time I had actually spent talking to my garden, you know, but I think you really inspired me when we got together. And so I would go and sit in my garden and try to talk. And my most exciting time, which I've already mentioned, was that my green beans were not, uh, they had flowers, but they weren't growing any beans. I'm like, what's going on? And they told me they needed ashes and ashes were the antidote to too much nitrogen caused by too much fertilizer. I was fascinated and I did get some green beans at the end of the season because I, we put ashes in there. I went and looked it up online. I was like, look at this. So that was really amazing. But let's talk about a couple of plants, like maybe pick three of your favorites and the kind of messages they have to share with humankind. Sure. So Rose is one of my deepest beloveds. Mm, Um, I love Rose. Yeah, of course. And I think Rose is perfect for you and the work that you do because Rose, of course, is all about love. Like even if we don't communicate with plants as a culture, we just recognize Rose is love. And particularly with Rose, she teaches us about self-love. Nice. I'm, I'm sure you know in your work too, that we have to learn how to love ourselves in order to bring forward the best love possible. Um, Absolutely. Yep. Rose is really lovely. She also is an incredible helper through grief or any heartache. She just teaches us that our hearts need to expand and, and how to be soft and strong at the same time, which is a different type of strong. Nice. Um, Yeah. I love Rose. I can go on if you want to hear more about Rose. Well, um, you know, I love that idea of how to be soft and strong at the same time because her flowers are so delicate and yet those thorns are there. Yeah. Is that what the soft and the strong is? Um, or tell no, me more. It's a little bit different. So it's just so in our society, because we're we have such a patriarchal foundation, you know, strength is determined <laughs> by rigidity even violence, you know, it's like you have to be really muscular and hard. So the strength is a hard form of strength. But then when we look at more matriarchal societies, it's the the strength is really in the nourishing and in the loving. And so loving becomes in, in a patriarchal culture, loving is considered to be weak, but it actually takes, I mean, I know, you know, this Ronnie, it takes incredible strength to show up every day from a place of love and to, you know, have your heart hurting or see somebody that you love hurting and still be able to stand there in that strength and, and embrace them. Right. Um, Right. Absolutely true. Or what she's saying now is even from like going back to that forgiveness, you know, somebody hurts you that, that hard strength is like, we got to cut them down at the knees because they hurt me. But the soft strength is there's something hurting in them. So what is it? And let's, let's approach this from a place of compassion and understanding. Compassion. Yeah. So that's the soft strength. And of course, I, at least I think that this world needs more of that. No question about that. Just the, the very idea of expanding your heart over the last few years, I've been spending a lot of time expanding my energy field. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, also, of course, as you expand your heart, you expand your capacity for love. Absolutely. You know, and if you were looking for love, that would be really important. But even if it's just to love yourself more, that could really, you know, create a humongous difference in your life experience and how you relate to people and how you feel about yourself. Like I'm all about lovability, you know, are you lovable? And of course, of course, everybody's lovable, but a lot of people aren't in touch with 
mm-hmm. why they're lovable. That's one of the things I have my clients work on all the time when I'm doing that love coaching is what makes you lovable and make a list. And, you know, you, you might say I'm a good cook, but why is that important to you? Right. You know, because it right. might differ. Like some people would say, what's well, good for nourishment. And some people would say, well, I put love in my food. And some people mm-hmm. would say, well, people love food. And I want to make you happy. There's so many aspects to that. So mm-hmm. it's not just knowing why you're lovable, but why that matter, you know, mm-hmm. what aspect matters. So, so Rose can teach us a lot. And I know with yeah. essential oils, rose oil is really expensive. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it takes, I, now I'm not a numbers person, so you know, okay. don't, don't quote me on this, but I think it's like several tractor trailer loads for just like a small, tiny, um, wow. less than a quarter ounce bottle of rose. Yeah. It's like, it takes an enormous amount of rose flowers for essential oil. That's mm-hmm. so surprising. Cause they have such a strong fragrance. You wow, can do a that's... hydrosol, a hydrosol. I mean, that's what I tend to work with anyways, is a hydrosol, which is, so um, it's the steam distillation. So it's not as, dis, as not as concentrate. Oh. And, um, but it, it has a very similar smell and I love them. I just made yeah. rose cardamom truffles for, uh, for a friend. So Yum. yeah. All right. Let's pick another. Another one of my favorites is dandelion. Oh, um, now so what dand- is that a good one for you? Why do you well, love dandelion? You know, one of the reasons why I love dandelion is because it's so despised. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I, tend, I tend to love plants that uh, other people think are horrible. But dandelion, I mean, dandelion takes us back to our childhood, right? It's like just that pure joy of life. Yes. That's how I feel whenever I see dandelions blooming. It, it, I just become a kid again. I'm like, oh, look at you shining so brightly. <laughs> That's funny. But also for this time that we're in, dandelion's all about tenacity and resilience. Mm. Um, that's something that we need. And we sure do. I say that because if you look at dandelion and how dandelion grows, I mean, they grow in the middle of a street, you know, like. They can grow anywhere. Right. <laughs> they crack that sidewalk. They crack the cement. They, um, if, you're, if they're growing in your yard and you poison them, they'll come back. If you mow them, they shorten their stem. You know, like they, you just can't get rid of dandelion. And, and part of that is because dandelion is such an important plant, even herbally for us, because it really supports our livers and helps with toxicity really? as well. Yeah. Huh. Oh yeah. yeah. I drink dandelion root tea. Yeah. That's a great liver support. And, you know, huh. and so it's like all about, so here we are spraying. This is the thing that I love so much about dandelion. We're spraying them, right? We're, we're, adding more poisons to our world and dandelion is the actual remedy for those poisons. So it's just like this incredible thing. So, ah, um, you know, that's so funny. Last year, my husband decided that's it. I'm not putting any um, commercial fertilizer down unless it's, you know, natural based. I'm like, okay. And then we had like a serious weed crop, but he was all just, you know, distraught over the dandelions. And a couple of years ago, I worked with a magic coach and one of the lessons was to pick a plant and whatever. So I, there were dandelions. So I picked dandelion and I just connected to the beauty that I never anticipated. And I drew a little picture of a dandelion spirit and her, the collar on her fancy dress was the petals from her feet from the flower head and then the bottom of the skirt was the leaves and beautiful and graceful and bright. And so this past year when he decided, you know, no, no weed killer, that's really the thing, no weed killer. 
this back to the birds and everything. You know, now we have a crop dandelion. We were all upset. I'm like, dandelion, they're abundant. Look at how shiny. They're so happy. They're bright yellow. Not about the dandelions. He goes, but they have so many seeds. I'm like, that's the abundance. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, resilience and and tenacity. I could really see that. Let's say I want to be more resilient and tenacious. What do I do with dandelions to help? Well, just what you were saying, you spend time with them, you know, like, so we have to develop a relationship with these plants. And once we have that relationship, that's a lifelong relationship. So dandelion and I are very close. So now if I need some tenacity or resilience, I just get quiet, get centered in my heart. And I just ask dandelion, dandelion, please help me through this. And sometimes I'll feel an energetic shift or sometimes I'll hear something. But in the beginning, until you have that relationship, you need to cultivate it. So it's just like cultivating a relationship with a human. You need to spend time with them, you know, spend time, observe them, taste them. As you said, drinking dandelion root tea, not all plants can we do that with, but dandelion is all parts of dandelion are edible. So, you know, you can have the leaf tea, you can have root tea, you can make salad out of the leaves, you can fry the blossoms or stick the blossom, the petals in your salad. So I um, could eat the dandelions from my yard. Oh, for sure. As long as they, I mean, I would say as long as they're not sprayed, um, as long as they don't have spraying them. Yeah. And so that's, you know, dandelions in this country because Italians brought them over. Sure. You know, they're such nourishing food. I mean, dandelions, incredible nourishing food, especially in the summer, or I'm sorry, in the spring, just gets that liver Ah. flowing, cleans out all the winter stuff, and it's really good medicine for us. They're so nutritive. So yeah, you can eat the the dandelions in your yard. I'm segueing, but dandelions in the spring made me think of fiddleheads. Mm. And I remember I ate fiddleheads once, and I don't know, I had like a reaction have you ever, like, what can you say about actions to things you eat? Like, it's not that it tastes bad. It just was like creepy. Like, how could it be creepy? I don't know a whole lot about fiddleheads, but I do know that they're, you only want to eat the fiddleheads from, I think it's ostrich burns and it's at a specific stage in it. So if they are too far along, you can get sick on them. So that could happen. So yeah. So anytime we're going to ingest a wild plant, it's really important to know that you're identifying correctly. And also are there any potential ways in which you need to prepare it? So like poke root for, or poke plant, for instance, in the South, it's a really common food to eat, but you have to cook it multiple times. It's not something that you just go harvest and eat. So not all plants are that intense, you know, but poke is also a poisonous plant. So be careful. So So what's the story with clover? So clover is, well, red clover is the one that I work with the most and is a blood purifier. Honestly, clover is not one of the main plants that I work with in general, but I do, I have a story with clover because my son had cut his thumb one time and we had to get stitches and the doctor completely botched it. And his thumb was so horribly infected. And so plantains, the plant that I usually go to for any kinds of infections and And I knew like when we lived on this farm, there wasn't any plantain when we first moved there. So I was really, it took me years to get plantain to come on. So I knew all the spots where plantain grew. And I went to all, I went to one and I was just like, plantain, I need your help. Please, you know, show me you so I can harvest you for my son. And I said what it was for. There was no plantain there, but there was red clover. And I was like, thanks red clover. You know, I'm looking for a plantain. Please help me find plantain. So I go to a second spot, same deal, no plantain, red clover. So I go to the third spot that I know there's enormous patch of plantain and no plantain, but again, red clover. And so there's a thing with working with plants that when a plant crosses your path three times, you need to pay attention to it. Chills. 
chill. So when I saw red clover, I was like, oh my gosh, you're the one I need for my son, not plantain. So, you know, then I was like really humble and just lots of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And sure enough, I made a tea and we put that on my son's thumb and the infection cleared. Um, Wow. Love that. Yeah. You know, a like a package uh, of wildflower seeds at Home Depot, this thing, like a baggie full for eight bucks. So I have these two long uh, wooden boxes, like in my garden. And I, I, where I put all these wildflower seeds, I'd never encountered red clover before. Mm-hmm. It's like red and it doesn't look like those pretty ball purple clovers. You know, it's different. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, what is your story? Because first of all, I didn't expect that to be considered a wildflower. I think about, you know, clover is like a weed, but it's not, I know it's not. I love four leaf clovers and everything, but it was really different looking and beautiful and surprising to me and very hardy. And, and mm-hmm. so that's very cool. All right. Now I know we picked out one more to talk about another favorite of yours. Yeah. So my other one is maple and maple for me is all about generosity and, and abundance. Mm. Um, and part of that is also about reciprocity. So there's this feeling of in order to live an abundant life, we have to call in and we have to hold on to it, but really abundance comes from the sharing of it. And so maple helps us to remember that, that in order to be abundant, we need to be generous. We need to give away and share with one another. And then one of maple's other biggest gifts that I just love so much is about the sweetness of life and just really enjoying the joy all around us that so often we make life to be this very difficult trudging through the trenches type arduous. Deal, you know? Yeah. Like everything's so difficult and, and we can, I mean, it doesn't take much to start to look out and be like, Oh my God, this is going on and this is going on. And Oh, but we can yeah. just as easily change that frame to see like just the miracle. I mean, that's what one of the great gifts of plants is like the miracle that we can take in oxygen from these plants and that they feed our life or they give us food or, you know, there's so much beauty around us. And so maple helps to lighten us a little bit and just really align with the joy and the sweetness in life. Oh, that is so nice. I wrote an article years ago called lessons from my maple trees. It was a dating lesson because, you know, to me, all of life is about dating. Even though I'm married, I still feel like (laughs) I went through so much to find my husband. I still feel like it all boils down to, you know, meeting new people and getting rejected or whatever. It's like, so anyway, I never noticed. I thought these little things that come out, these green little things were like buds that come out in the spring, but they're flowers. (laughs) And whoever thought of maple trees as having flowers. But when I finally one day actually looked at it, I'm like, that's a flower. And I was so shocked. And I thought, oh, this is a really good lesson on you think you know what you're looking at, but you can learn something new if you really look at it. You know, it's it's a good lesson in opening your eyes and opening your mind and opening your heart to what's really there versus what you think is there. You know, because a lot of times women will tell me there are no good men. And I'm like, that's really not true. First of all, if you just look at it from a statistical, you know, possibility, that's inaccurate. It's not statistically possible. So I always go back to math, even though that's not my favorite thing to prove (laughs) that. But so, yeah, I learned that. And I was shocked that maple trees had flowers. Who knew? Right. Well, I'm glad that you said that because that is one of the foundations for plant communication is innocent perception. And so it goes both ways, you know, both the plants 
remind us that we need to be engaging in that innocent perception, like your experience with the flowers. But also in order to communicate with them, we have to do it through this, this experience. Like it's our first time. It's our first time sitting with Dandelion, not sitting down there and thinking like, oh, I know all about you, Dandelion, and you know, listing all the stuff. But, but what, what else is here? Because each plant, so I always say that a good herbal, one of my favorites is the book of herbal wisdom by Matt Wood. And it's because he has a whole chapter on an herb. Normally you get like a paragraph on an herb ah. in a book. And it's wonderful, but each plant could write their own encyclopedia set. Sure. You know, like if you continue to work, you only really need to work with one plant ever. Um, if, and if you continue to work with that plant your whole life, you will continue to learn from them. That's all that innocent perception. And yeah, I love those maple flowers. Yeah. yeah. They're really beautiful. It was a shocker for me. So can you share anything else about how to connect? Like, I know you're saying that. So is it a meditation? Is it 20 minutes long? Is it three minutes long? I mean, what, what does it look like? So, so there, that's the problem. There is no one way. And that's why there's all these different activities in the book, but the, oh. basic, the foundation for all of it is we have to go through our heart. So we have to get, you know, our hearts are these incredible organs of perception. It's really the, our primary source of our primary intelligence and so once we're in our heart space, we're more receptive, our perspective becomes broader, and we become more solution focused. So when we're in our heart space, it's easier for communication. I'm sure you say this to your clients as well, because it's really much better to be communicating with your partner from your heart than, you know, when you're in this nasty argument, you're not going to get anywhere. So that's, that's where true. we start. Right. So, so with plants, we just, the plants are actually easier, but in the beginning, we just have to learn what that communication means. But once we're in our heart, the plants kind of tune themselves to us so that it allows the communication to flow more. And so my first, like the easiest thing I think to get into the heart is gratitude. So just thinking of mm. everything that you're grateful for, and eventually you're going to feel a physical shift. And that's different for everybody. But for me, my shoulders drop, my breathing slows. I feel like my hands are really big. Like I think of Mickey Mouse gloves, huh. um, my feet get really big, like clown shoes, and, and, you know, you just have that, some say that internal smile, you know, like you just feel good. Yes. And once you're yes. in that place in the beginning, like, I think the first step is to just sit with the plant and introduce yourself to them. And then, oh. you know, and then be observant, um, you know, when you're in your heart space and you're connected to them, whatever's happening around you, it all is significant. I just tell people, write it all down. Like it's not a time for saying, oh, that's crazy just write it down. And then later we can bring discernment in and say like, yeah, I think that was just a car driving by. That wasn't anything particular, but sometimes it's something really important. I just had a little epiphany while you were talking, because when it becomes garden time, garden season, I go in there and my objective is to sit and just connect with nature and the plants before I do anything. But sometimes I just go in there and I see all these weeds and I just start yanking and pulling and cutting and whatever. And then I'm like, oh, you're such a human. You know? <laughs> and then, then I sit down. I'm like, could you please ask and connect first and feel the energy in here? And, and I definitely, when I do that, I mean, I definitely, I sit down, I just tune in and, I, and I'm grateful for everything they do and grateful that they're there and grateful they do things. I mean, I don't know how to make them grow. They make themselves right. grow, right? right? I just try to get out of the way. Sometimes I get this incredible buzzing feeling and I certainly get that amazing like smile that's from ear to ear that comes from that. 
And so anyway, when I go in there and I'm clotting around and I'm being human and I forget to do that, then I'm like all mad at myself. Oh, you're such a human, blah, 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 blah. And so while you were talking, I just realized I don't even have to feel bad anymore. What a relief because they don't, they just, you know, do the best you can. And if you're in there clotting around like a human and yanking weeds without asking, it'll be okay. And just remember when you remember to be awake, when you remember to communicate and connect with them, that's fine. They're not like all sitting around judging you and being mad at you. Right. Right. Oh yeah. my God. What a relief. That's so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I can stop beating myself up about that now. Whew, I've had a healing today. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. Well, that's the plants. I mean, that is the beauty of the plants is that they're not judgmental. You know, it's such a different concept for what we experience in our society. And so it's just so wonderful to, to be with them and have that relationship with them because it teaches us how to be in relationship with one, with the other humans in our lives. Mm. You know, it teaches us how to like, just really be present for them and love them in all of their humanness. Yeah. And, and mostly ourselves again. Yeah. Like, what do they, do they need anything from us? Like, you know, if we're going to be thinking about creating a relationship, then, you know, we want it to be a back and forth kind of a thing. So what do they need from us? Well, I don't know. First of all, like that's a big personal thing and it depends on the, the person, the, the human, and it also depends on the plant. So each relationship has their own, own. Like, own needs, just like okay. you know, human relationships. Most of the time they really just want our attention, you know, huh. so, like they love when humans are listening to them. It makes them excited because most of the time we don't, most of the time we just yeah. walk through our world and we don't even notice them, even like right. gorgeous plants, you know, we just yep. ignore them. But more than that, on a bigger societal thing, they want us to remember who we are. They want us to come into this better relationship with them and our other relatives of nature so that we live a better life that where all beings are considered sacred and treated with reverence. In my opinion, anyways, that's how we create a better world uh, and also how humanity thrives. So that's the beauty. Wow. Is like, I was going to say the tricky thing I've learned with the plants is that so often I think I'm being generous to them or I'm doing something for them. And I discover, oh, I'm actually doing it for me. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I get that. To be open to them, to recognize them, to acknowledge them. So in a way, that's very human to want to be acknowledged and to want attention is a very human qualities. I guess in a way, what you're really saying is it's, it's definitely one way to find more meaning mm, for sure in life and, you know, feel more connected to everything. You know, when I spend time imagining that my energy field is expanding and I'm really connected to the oneness of all there is, which makes me a part of everything. That's the most peaceful, calm, harmonious place I can ever be that I create through the intention. But I definitely feel that as well with the plants. So like if you're having a bad day, probably connect with the plants, right? And I always tell people go out in nature, you'll yeah. always end up feeling better always. because you're a part of that. And we forget because we're human. Right, right. So I have to add one thing on because they're hitting me with this is that sometimes, sometimes they also want action from us. Okay. So, like I had an experience with Japanese hops. I don't know if you know this plant, but nope. it's considered an invasive plant around us. Yes. And it can grow like over 35 feet in a single season. Oh my gosh. And that's only in one direction and it grows in like multiple directions. So it moved on to the sanctuary and it started just like taking over. 
and I knew it wanted my attention, but I'm like, I'm too busy. I can't, I'm teaching. I, I can't. And then it starts working on my students. And um, so finally I like, you know, sat down and listened and Japanese hops was coming forward because there was a garden project that the nature spirits on the land had asked me to do, but it just felt overwhelming and I didn't know what to do. So I wasn't doing it. And so Japanese hops was taking over that whole area. and was like, uh. you need to do this or we're going to continue to take, oh. you know, so sometimes that's one instance, but sometimes there's other things that we need to like stand up for a water or we need to plant the trees or we need to do, you know, something else. So sometimes they also want us to um, take action. I guess I'll have to call you if that happens. <laughs> Hopefully oh my gosh, what's hot. happening? <laughs> All right. First, I'll try on my own though. Don't worry. <laughs> I know you will. You're very talented in that area. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. This has been such a joy. I'm really thrilled. First of all, I'm, I hope to be the first one to buy your book. Honestly, I cannot, cannot wait because I know I'm never going to get to Pennsylvania where you are to take one of your classes, but well, I hope I, that changes, Ronnie. I hope you come down here. <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. It would be so nice to see you in person. But anyway, you have something for people. You have something to offer my listeners. You want to tell us about it? Sure. So if you go to my website, um, and I think Ronnie will include a link too. Yes, have- absolutely. I have an energy hygiene um, ebook. So in my work with my clients, I've discovered that so much of the issues has to do with poor energy hygiene. Just we collect all this gunk and we don't know how to clear it. Mm. So there's a short little ebook on um, some suggestions for helping to have a healthier aura and body. Wonderful. That sounds excellent. I'm pretty sure I read that a few years ago. So it's been up there for a while. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So I'm going to have to refresh my memory on it, but I will be sure to put the link in the show notes so that you can, you know, anybody who wants that can go and get that. And I've worked with Jen and she's cleared my energy and she's done um, and glimpia. She's given me flower essences and other plant essences and stuff. And she has some of the best stuff. I just love it. And I adore you. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you, Ronnie. It's always great to connect. Wonderful. I love you so much. Oh, how sweet. I love you too. All right. Till next time. This is Ronnie and Ryan Love and Cosmic Coach thanking you for listening today. If you'd like cosmic coaching and guidance for your spiritual path, a psychic, intuitive, or card reading, or to learn about your past lives and how they influence your life today with an Akashic Records reading, please visit nevertolate.biz. If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up and subscribe and share it with someone that you love. I'll have more about love and magic next time. Until then, this is Ronnie and Ryan hoping you make the most of the love and magic that always surrounds you.